welcome back, friends, to your daily Bible podcast as we continue through the Gospel of John. Today we are on John chapter 7. We're going to be reading verses 10 through 31. So where we're at in the story is Jesus is just preparing himself to go to the Feast of Tabernacles. This is going to be a long section of narrative as Jesus spends the next uh, four chapters at this feast. Verse 10. However, after his brothers had left for the festival, he went also, not publicly, but in secret. Now at the festival, the Jewish leaders were watching for Jesus and asking, where is he? Among the crowds, there was widespread whispering about him. Some said, he's a good man. Others replied, no, he deceives people. But no one would say anything publicly about him for fear of the leaders. Okay, so you can kind of get an idea here about the climate in Jesus' day. Many people had seen his miracles, and so they were forced to come to the opinion that he was a good man. But at the same time, the religious leaders wanted to kill him. So there was this, um, they were torn inside. Why do some think he's so evil, yet we've seen him do such good things? So the people are torn back and forth. And because of the leaders of their country, they're unwilling to talk about Jesus publicly because they fear that they themselves will become the target of these leaders. Verse 14, not until halfway through the festival did Jesus go up to the temple court and begin to teach. The Jews there were amazed and asked, how did this man get so much learning without having been taught? Jesus answered, my teaching is not my own. It comes from the one who sent me. Anyone who chooses to do the will of God will find out whether my teaching comes from God or whether I speak on my own. Whoever speaks on their own does so to gain personal glory. But he who seeks the glory of the one who sent him is the man of truth. There is nothing false about him. Has not Moses given you the law? Yet not one of you keeps the law. Why are you trying to kill me? Now this is a big question that Jesus has just asked the crowd. And again, Jesus has just made very clear that he is sent to earth by God that God himself sent him and that he only speaks the will of the Father. So he says, why are you trying to kill me? Verse 20, you are demon-possessed. The crowd answered, who is trying to kill you? This is interesting. The crowd now has spoken the very same words that we've heard come from the Pharisees in the past. You are demon-possessed. Verse 21, Jesus said to them, I did one miracle, and you all were amazed. Yet because Moses gave you circumcision, though actually it did not come from Moses, but from the patriarchs, you circumcise a boy on the Sabbath. Now if a boy can be circumcised on the Sabbath so that the law of Moses cannot be broken, why are you angry with me for healing a man's whole body on the Sabbath? Stop judging by mere appearances, but instead judge correctly. So Jesus, again, he points out their hypocrisy in how they apply and how they interpret the law that God gave to Moses. God never told them uh, and specified to them the areas that he considered to be work on the Sabbath, but they, the Pharisees and the teachers and the scribes, have made lists of what equals work and what doesn't. So a priest can do the work of circumcision on the Sabbath, but Jesus is called a heretic for doing the work of God's healing 
on the Sabbath. And Jesus is just pointing out their religious hypocrisy here. He does this over and over and over throughout the Gospels. Verse 25. At that point, some of the people of Jerusalem began to ask, Isn't this the man they're trying to kill? Here he is, speaking publicly, and they're not saying a word to him. Have the authorities really concluded that he is the Messiah? But we know where this man is from. And when the Messiah comes, no one will know where he is from. Okay, so the crowd now is beginning to question the leaders too. They're saying, wait a minute, this guy keeps saying he's from God. He keeps saying he's the Messiah and nobody's doing anything about it. So they kind of poke fun at the leaders and say, maybe they've decided he's the Messiah too. But then they answer the question themselves. They say, but that can't be because we know where he's from. And when the Messiah comes, we won't know where he's from. It goes on. Verse 28. Then Jesus, still teaching in the temple courts, cried out, Yes, you know me, and you know where I'm from. I am not here on my own authority, but he who sent me is true. You do not know him, but I know him because I am from him and he sent me. Now, this statement that Jesus just made is absolutely loaded with things that you might miss. Jesus has just declared to the crowd in a loud voice something that he does several times throughout the gospel, where he cries out. He says, yeah, you do, you know me. You know where I came from, but listen, you don't know the whole story. And then he tells them that they don't know the Father and that he knows the Father because he has been with the Father and the Father sent him. Now, the crowd clearly understood what Jesus was saying because I want you to look at how they respond. Verse 30. At this, they tried to seize him, but no one laid a hand on him because his hour had not yet come. Still many in the crowd believed in him. They said, when the Messiah comes, will he perform more signs than this man? So this is the crowd torn. Jesus is telling them that he's from heaven, that he's the son of God, that he's sent by God, that he knows God, and part of the crowd believes this to be blasphemy. We know that because they try to seize him. The reason they're trying to seize him is they're trying to kill him because they believe what he just said deserves the death penalty. But then other parts of the crowds are torn because they say, yeah, but what about the miracles? What about the miracles? How could a man who's this full of blasphemy, how could he perform all of these miracles? And so they're torn. Still to this day, people are torn by the words of Jesus. They want to paint Jesus as a good teacher or a moral philosopher or somebody who's helped us to build a strong Western society. But the truth is Jesus doesn't give us that option. Jesus was so clear in the words that he spoke about who he was, about where he came from, that like C.S. Lewis, we have to agree. Jesus is who he said he was, or he's the greatest con man and the biggest madman in history. Because Jesus went around telling people that he was the son of God. So today, you have the same choice the crowd had. Do you believe Jesus? Do you believe he is who he says he was? Or do you believe that he was speaking blasphemy? And how you answer that question is the greatest question you will ever face. So my prayer for you all today is that you will hear the words of Jesus, that you will receive them, 
that you will place your faith in him and that you will see his life and his spirit come into your life and change absolutely everything. Let's pray. God, I thank you so much that you did send your one and only son, that you love the world so much you were willing to give us Jesus, and that Jesus, through your death and resurrection, you provided a way for us to be saved. Today, we choose to put our faith in you. Even in moments of doubt, even in moments of fear and uncertainty, we choose to believe that you are Lord, that you are Savior, that Jesus, you are the Messiah, that you have died and rose again for our sins, and by placing our faith in you today, we are saved. We thank you for it. In your name, 